It's not just time to get away. It's time to travel with Anita from around the world to across Georgia. She covers it all. Now, here's the host of Travel with Anita, Anita Thomas. Hello, 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 and welcome aboard Travel with Anita and Friends. Now, one of the best things about travel is the people that you meet. Someone who not just brightens your day, but someone who has a light. A light that shines bright and inspires you to want to know more about them and also about their story. And during the holiday season, there is nothing better than a story that is all about the human spirit finding strength and power within yourself to move forward in a world as things change. Staying positive for yourself and showing the world that each person, every life, all human interest stories are what the holiday spirit is really, truly about. Now, you guys probably remember my last show. I talked about my time on Royal Caribbean, on a Royal Caribbean cruise quite recently. I met Erin Brown from the Bahamas, a woman who's an icon in her country, and her enthusiasm and bold motivation is really contagious. And as part of her fighting and surviving cancer, Brown had to have her leg amputated. But that didn't stop her, but encouraged her to become an advocate for and bring attention to the rights of those who need access as well as inclusion. So I want to talk a little bit more about her and introduce her to you. So here she is, Erin Brown and her story. Erin Brown, like where did that, where did we start? How do we start? My life has been such a, oh my gosh, if I, if I can put it in one word, I call it an onion. Mm. It will make you cry, but at the end of the day, the meal is going to be seasoned, <laughs> darling. <laughs> you're going, it's going to be flavorful and you're going to have the experience of your life. And that is because growing up in the Bahamas, which we know is 700 islands and keys in the most beautiful part of the world, right? Sure. Is a very unique experience. Um, whether we're speaking about educational, career-wise, health, just cultural differences within itself amongst the global world that we're a citizen in. And so for me, growing up and where I start essentially started from civic involvement and athleticism. My parents were um, national builders. They were about being active, competitive, national representation through athleticism. My mother was volleyball and my dad was softball, but they were also deeply rooted in what it means to be a, a a citizen, a community member, what, what does it mean to really give and receive and, and invest and nurture? And so from the political side of things, my father was a senator and um, he was a grassroots organizer. Like he was on the ground all the time. And my mother, she was very civically involved, which hers was through ministry. So she was absolutely about ensuring that persons have the ability to be in safe spaces and to, to fellowship with each other. And so what that produced <laughs> was this was this being called Aaron Brown that is about all the above. And now 
now, due to bone cancer, 17 years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four osteosarcoma, which resulted into an amputation above the knee of my left leg. I am now all of that personified through disability. You know, a lot of times when you have the word cancer and disability, those are the things you kind of want to stay away from. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> can, we, can we take it back a minute? But for me, those two main core things of me being a part of my identity has been the absolute source of who and what and where and how I get to choose how I'm going to show up today. It may be in a wheelchair, it may be in crutches, it may be with my prosthetic, or it may be with nothing at all. I get to, to stand in my authentic self, still being whole as a cancer survivor, as a black woman, as a mother, as an entrepreneur, all living with the disability. And so I feel like a lot of the things in my life that were designated or labeled by society as this ain't a work <laughs> mm -hmm. actually works. Yeah. It works and it works in such a unique way. Yes. It still has its barriers. It still has its challenges. It still has those moments of doubt of rejection of nose. Um, it still has that feel that I'm still fighting for my rights because in essence I am, we are um, in totality. And so for me, my story is not one of despair. It is definitely one of um, how one person, an island gal from the beautiful islands of the Bahamas, a cancer survivor, a mother, an athlete, um, a woman, a black woman, yes, is able to be the thermostat. I get to choose in my authentic way now, how and what and why. And I get to do it with each and every one of you. Well, I, I just love this, Erin, because you are right. The one word is onion. And what I really like about your story is that you are so many layers. And I think a lot of times, unrightfully so, that the general public will try and pick one of those labels and like put that on you as like the one that you are. But in totality, as you said, you are many things, you are many layers, and all of those things are what make you, not just one single thing, but all of those things. But speaking of that, though, we do have to go out into the world that, you know, does put these um, uh, labels on us, want to put certain masks on us or titles of those type things. So how is living your life now different mm -hmm. from before um, your leg was amputated? So living life now as a black woman with a disability is absolutely different. Mm -hmm. It is different because what I had to come to terms with is the beginning of my life, I lived as a non-disabled person. Mm -hmm. um, I had full use of all of my legs. I had no seemingly um, limitation, impairments, challenges that speak to my physical ability to do anything, to execute anything, to, um, to work through any current barriers. And why it was easier then is because I live in a society, we live in a society that is for the non-disabled person. 
And so to, to think about what I'm going to put on today was more about, you know, which shades are going to match my shoes, you know, <laughs> or, okay, it's sunny outside. Am I going to show my shoulders today? Or, you know, those type of things. Versus now when I received the amputation, my access to a lot of the things that I didn't even consider such a big deal or a priority mm-hmm. or a basic need became just that. It was denied and I had to now amplify and advocate and say, well, why isn't that there? Or how come and how am I supposed to? And it was shocking for me because I know I'm not the first or the last person living with a disability, either through birth, through accident, through medical diagnosis, or even age. I am not the only one who will experience a disability in our lifetime. Why have we not? (laughs) Why? How is it possible that we have not ensured that certain infrastructures, systems, policies, funding, all of these things, data collection, all of these things are available. And so the biggest difference for me now is I feel like my shoulders are back more. Uh Um, I've always been very, very involved, like I said. So I've always been the person fighting for the underdog. And then I became the underdog. (laughs) And so then that amplified, that ramped up a bit more for me. Not only about ensuring access and inclusion for other persons. It was about my own thriving. It was about my family, my children, my career, my opportunities, my access. You know, it was about my right the way that I advocate, the way that um, it is important to not only amplify my voice through self-advocacy, but also the masses, the the whole entire um, planet. And in order to engage sustainability, we have to speak to access and inclusion. So it, it has absolutely changed, yet it has purposely done so. We'll stop here and take a break. Erin is really a trailblazer with the work she's doing and all of her all of her experiences. And when we come back, I'll talk with her about the company that she has started and her work around inclusion and accessibility. Back in a minute here on Travel with Anita and Friends. I love the unexpected connections we make when we travel and all the things that we learn about, things that we thought we already knew. But there is so much more to learn as we travel the world and meeting new people and making new friends is a big part of it. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. Now today I'm talking with Erin Brown, who I met on a recent cruise on Royal Caribbean. She christened the ship and was named Godmother of Odyssey of the Seas, one of their newest ships. Now what is so unique about her being Godmother is a Royal Caribbean ship is having a black female and amputee as their godmother. We used to think of celebrities, politicians, and people closely related to the company as who those godparents of the ship would be. But this shows Royal Caribbean's stance on inclusion and accessibility by choosing a phenomenal woman like Erin. So Erin tells us all about the work she is doing to bring more companies on board to make a difference, just as her partnership with Royal Caribbean has done. So... Let's listen to the rest of her story as she talks about the work that she is doing. So thank you, Erin, for staying with me here on the show. So let's talk about the work that you're doing, because in the last segment, you mentioned just the whole importance for everyone. If we think about inclusion, one thing is because so much more creativity, 
many more opportunities for everyone can come out of making sure that everyone's thoughts, values, feelings, uh, their creativity is included. It just mm-hmm. for a better rural. Mm-hmm. But also, you don't ever know where you're going to end up in the rural. Yes. You know, so you could be that one person, like what you're saying, that you've always fought for the underdog, but now you're fighting for yourself. So we just don't ever know where, what place we'll be in in the world as well. So even yes. from the selfish side of it, you know, just thinking of yourself, you should be thinking of inclusion. So tell us yes. what you Yes. And so you're absolutely correct. Over 1.3 billion persons um, live with a disability worldwide and it's growing every day. And it's, it will continue to grow. And so that, that this is why the conversation should be a we conversation. It's not about Aaron Brown singular. It's about we, because at any moment, any of us can acquire a disability and have to utilize and, and may have our own access removed from us. And so this should be a priority on everybody's minds, right? And so for me, I, I remember growing up saying, being asked, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I, I couldn't really put my finger on it because I always enjoyed meeting new persons, meeting new places, going new places, doing new things, um, eating. <laughs> I love food, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Traveling. <laughs> Traveling and um, just being a part of a creative process. So whether that's speaking, um, creating concepts and bringing them to fruition, those were my things. So then they're looking at you like, okay, so Aaron, what is that? <laughs> and I found that I thrived in spaces. Um, for one, I became a, a consultant for beauty, fashion, and industry and um, beauty, fashion, and entertainment, sorry, at first. And here's why. I acquired my disability after receiving my um, bachelor's, right? I went ahead and now my leg is gone. And I'm going to interviews with all of these ex-skills and experience and educational paralysis that I have. Mm -hmm. And I'm not getting the job. I mean, they're loving me on paper. They're loving me in person. But when they look and they're like, she's using a pair of crutches. What's going on? And I say, I'm an amputee, the interview is usually done. And that is the reality for a lot of us, that we have done the work, we have the knowledge, we have the expertise, but there is always one thing. But if, um, how come that stops us, right? And so I had to literally pivot. I had to say to myself, okay, Aaron, what do you have? What what else do you have? Because we ain't going to no more job interviews. (laughs) We ain't doing this, this ain't working. And so I then looked at the fact that I'm a makeup, I'm a certified makeup artist. I am a certified hairstylist. I have worked within the editorial production um, industry for a while prior to this. Why don't you just jump into that? And that's exactly what I did. I started to apply for freelance consulting jobs in production and entertainment and fashion. I became a scout. I started to be the one, some executive producers behind the scenes, directors, where all of these wonderful things that you were watching was actually curated <laughs> and brought to you by a person with a disability. And in those spaces, I recognized that the crew, the staff, they were just an amazement because they were like, you're, wow, 
Like you're doing all of these things. You have all of these ideas. And we've never really had a one-on-one -on -one or engagement with a person, a professional with a disability in this regard. So I thought about it and I said, you know what? Maybe this is where I should, I should really fine tune when it comes to this, because not only do I need to find a space to thrive, but I also want to be able to use it as a, a learning curve, how persons really understand what inclusion is and, and how it works. Like success doesn't care what it looks like. Success is, is getting it done. And so after that, I continue to thrive within that arena. And then I said, okay, let's get deeper. So I started to think about what about all of the hiring policies that um, still exist that are stopping persons from being hired? What are some of the skills and tools that our current industries, our current business models are not engaging because they're not seeing the value in inclusive workforce or workforce retention? And then I, I went ahead and I, as I dive deeper, I started to talk about disability inclusion and I'm getting more, more um, knowledge and expertise and certifications within those spaces. And then I became a disability inclusion consultant, starting my own business as the first disability-led consultant in the Bahamas called Aaron Brown Connects Disability Advocacy and Inclusion Management. And it still blows my mind because during that for the past 17 years, it enabled me to then get a call about a nine to five job. Um, and they said, you know, we really were, were opening, we've opened up a new space um, at the University of the Bahamas in disabilities, the Office of Disabilities and Compliance. We would really like to know if you're interested in applying, the, the position is vacant. And so I applied and guess what y'all? <laughs> That's where I am currently. And so these moments, 17 years is a long time. Yeah. But these moments um, led me into recognizing not only the value and the worth, but also allowed others around me, more disability allies and, and what it means and how does it mean to engage and, and really reevaluating what we are currently doing from our policies to our infrastructure, to our onboarding, to our, our um, products, our services. We now need to make the intentional step to do that. And so for me, I have two sides. Here, here comes the onion again. I am very community driven and I'm also very civically, um, civil society driven. So I'm into ensuring businesses, institutions, organizations have the tools that they need to not only sustain this, but take this even further. And then community-wise, advocacy, knowing your rights, knowing how to amplify your voice, programs that are going to give you the tools, sustain, to help you develop, to be innovative, to show up authentically. And so those are the two spaces that I currently hold. Oh, and I can't forget, because I know you're not going to let me forget, sports. Paralympic development was one of, one of my core things because I've always been an athlete, even after my leg being removed. No, but my parents being athletes, I, I, this was built in. I just wanted to remain active for the rest of my life. And so I'm now the first paratriathlete in the Bahamas 
um, preparing for Paralympics, but also now starting the Bahamas Paralympic Committee, which means more adaptive athletes, more training, more development for, for coaches, for persons who just want to try out sports and become active again. It doesn't even have to be competitive. We want you to get active because you're a part of a global yeah. family and we miss you. So let's get back out there. Stay put. We'll be back in a moment here on Travel with Anita and Friends. about experiencing the world. If you are an able person, are you understanding and non-judgmental of non-able persons? Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. My friend joining me today is Erin Brown, and she has been sharing with us the work that she's doing to make inclusion and accessibility a way of life, not a special exception. I share my misconceptions, and then she shares how the attitudes of difference affect our lives. One of the things that I find a little frustrating sometimes that I will overhear sometimes are these misconceptions that people have about someone who does have a disability. Yes. It's almost like they tack on different things. So if you're in a wheelchair, that means that also maybe you can't talk or you can't think for yourself. You know, if you're walking with crutches or a prosthetic leg, then it means, though, that you're not able to do, you know, some of the normal everyday things. Someone needs to help you. You're not self-sufficient. And so I love your question. And here's why. Difference is so good. Difference is the sauce, baby. If you're not different, then you're not human because we're all differently abled. We're all able bodied. We're all different purposely so and so we need to embrace that um i feel like we have language has played a very huge part in the way we interact engage and communicate with persons because we have learned and and in doctrine and and held on to a lot of labels um that represent certain things and so for me disability has this thought of less than no value it's sad it's bad and we need to change that so we need to reclaim we need to reclaim our time reclaim our power we need to reclaim that word and, and restore its its value restore what it means to live with a disability to be a disabled person to be a person with a disability all of these terms that you would hear and so language is the most important things and the experiences that you spoke about i definitely have we all have them even in traveling when you see somebody come with a wheelchair they're a wheelchair user and you're going oh gosh this is going to be long because now we got to wait for them to get on and we got to wait for them to get off or you're asking persons who are blind or deaf like are you traveling by yourself like how do you think that's going to work yeah that's not safe all of these things, all of these things are the representation of the world that we have lived in. It's, it's been created for non-disabled persons. So our own awareness is not as great, purposely so. When you speak about students with disabilities, we think education and then we think special education. 
Mm. We have successfully separated things so great that we do not necessarily know how to integrate anymore, how to ensure that the entire product, the space is integrated, is inclusive. And so this is why it has to be absolutely intentional. Like you're going to need a reminder. You're going to need to say to yourself that this is my checklist. This is my goals. My goals include access, inclusion, and opportunities. How can I do that? Ask. Include to the table of your spaces. Wherever you live, you want to have more conversations with persons with disabilities, community leaders, professionals with disabilities. And don't sit here and tell me you don't know not one. There's one in every five persons living with a disability around you. And that person might actually be even you. And so you need to also recognize that embrace who you are wholly. For a very long time, we have been allowed to disregard disability as a part of our identity. That time now needs to stop. Just how we speak to diversity from a race and gender and all these other layers, we need to include disability in that. Disaggregated data is our superpower. Yeah. Disaggregated data allows us to not only effectively budget and funding and programs, but it also allows us to recognize the individuals that we have around us in a very authentic way. We, we, we're called invisible persons because we exist in the world, but very rarely are we recognized and acknowledged. Yet we're holding so much expertise and so much knowledge, knowledge and innovation. And if you think about all the great historical, innovative yeah. builders, persons mm -hmm. in the history of the world, they have lived with disabilities. We've got to get rid of those misconceptions. We've got to get rid of the labels and feeling as though people cannot contribute because of, of a disability. And a disability user that you can see, because I, I love what you started out with saying that, you know, there are all kinds of differences. And my contention always is that you need to really look at the whole person because yeah. what you do, we find out that there are many more similarities that we have with others than differences. But now in our last segment, we talked a little bit about the Paralympics. And I want to ask you this question. So I'm kind of zigzagging back a little bit, but sports must really be a very empowering thing for someone with a disability. Sports is everything. It is absolute life, okay? It is the one space that you enter into that you're going to experience a thrill because it's competitive. You're not focusing on whose outfit. You're not focusing on whose hair is that way. You want to get across that finish line. You want to make that first score. You want to block the opponent. Like that's my team. I want my team to win. You are ready to give your all as a fan. Imagine the athlete who has determined, who has desired, who has worked, who has put in the time, the sacrifice, to show up to win, to be their best self. Now I say athlete purposely so, because being an athlete, whether you live with a disability or not, whether you're considered a non-disabled athlete or an adaptive um, athlete, whether you're considered a Paralympian or an Olympian or a special Olympian, athleticism is 
you gotta be you you gotta be half neck crazy to want to be an athlete <laughs> because it, it's just it's like crazy on steroids and it's because the things that you're putting your body and your mind to in order to be your best self, in order to represent not only you, but your, your nation, maybe your race, maybe you're the first in your family, you know, all of these things that the vehicle of sports is allowing you to do opens up so many doors. And so this is why when you are now an adaptive athlete, it comes with a different type of feel because not only don't you get to show off, you get to show up and show off in global spaces, in spaces you've never been before. You get to travel, you get to meet. I remember I became the first Bahamian amputee to compete in the Texas Independence Relay in Houston, Texas with a group of adaptive athletes ranging from physical disabilities, so that's amputations, bilateral, one, two arms, two legs, persons who also live with blindness, deaf, intellectual disabilities, who with the company of their guides um, helped us to help them to complete whatever task it was. We ran 190 miles. But what I, what I made the intentional step to say yes, and I committed to that. I was like, okay, I'm in. What's the date? I went and I looked how much it is. And I started telling persons, I am going to Texas. <laughs> Can you help me get there? And so said, so done. The village showed up. And I, that was the first experience I had fully on a, on a competitive, more social type of sporting arena where... I showed up and everybody looks like me. Like everybody like was wearing a prosthetic, even our prosthetists, our prosthetists, our physiotherapists, all of them were persons with disabilities. That feeling alone, Anita, is what I hold on to. I want to share that. I want other persons because when I acquired a disability, I didn't have anybody that looked like me. I didn't have nobody to look to, to ask how and why and so I want to share that not only nationally within the Bahamas, but regionally in the Caribbean and internationally, that these spaces exist. You have value, you are worthy, and you can even do it through sports. Even if you don't like to do anything else but compete or to be active, we got a sport for you. We'll stop here, take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk with her about travel in particular, because of course, we're all about travel here on Travel with Anita and Friends. So stay put, we'll be back in a few moments. its own challenges, but what happens when you are a person with a disability? Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends, and my friend Aaron Brown shares where the travel industry is today with accessibility. We continue to face barriers. We continue to be challenged in ways that we got to be the MacGyver on the sport. Being able to access certain things like an elevator. An elevator is there not only for convenience, but also in design, universal design to ensure that a person can, a user is able to get to the different spaces within the entire building or the structure. Mm -hmm. As simple as an access ramp, which a lot of us call a wheelchair ramp, 
my dears, that's an access route because you don't have to be a person or a wheelchair user or a person with a disability to use that. It is designed also for delivery. It's designed for the ease of, of getting in and out of the building, a disabled parking spot. People look at that and say, why do we need so many? What, what is with the blue, the lines, like why? It is important because it, it also speaks to not only access, but safety. Safety of being able to get in your vehicle park into a spot that is closest to the entrance of the building and be able to safely open your doors, take out whatever adaptive device you're using, close your doors and go to where you're going, helps the additional space. A lot of times we look at these things as why should I versus the huge benefits that come with them. And traveling is one of the most exciting, but yet the most hurtful spaces that travelers with disabilities experience. And here's why. When we already know showing up that it's designed for non-disabled persons. And how do we not know that? Most of our current travel spaces, um, websites, tours do not speak to the accessibility of their spaces, their services, their products. So the fact that that's not even on the website, or, I, or you're not giving me no information about that, that probably means that I'm going to have some issues. And so I then go ahead and I call or I ask the questions. Well, what about if I'm a wheelchair user? Are the doors? What about the tubs? What about the toilets? What about getting in and out of the airplane? Are we using a jetway? Are we, what are we using? What are we engaging? I have had such tumultuous experiences just going from the airport to the plane because there's huge steps and I'm in a wheelchair and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them like, who's going down the stairs? <laughs> How are we about to get down the stairs? Mm -hmm. And all of these things can be resolved beforehand once it is already integrated into their current policies, their accessibility policies. When you provide for a person every person, all of your customers, the ability to not only recognize a brand as a universal accessible brand, that allows me to not only feel safe, but then I trust you. I trust your space. I'm going to tell my family and friends about your space. And if I'm not living independently, then those persons who accompany me are able to also be aware of the things that are needed or that are available. So a lot of the challenges, it's not necessarily because you live with a disability. The challenges or the barrier is the fact that our current travel spaces, our brands, our tourism boards, they're not thinking truly from an inclusive space. They're not talking about the campaigns and the communi camp um, communication campaigns that speaks to access. When have you seen a sign language tourism campaign? When have you seen images of persons with disabilities frolicking on the beach? <laughs> you know, when, when are we going to get there? Because we are, we are losing over 1.3 billion persons because we're sitting home. We're, we're online trying to figure out where to go. Yeah. Because our money green and we want travel too. <laughs> so there are a lot of things that we continue to face and, um, we continue to experience the negative side of it because you have 
equipments that are being damaged because persons don't know how to safely transport them or store them or engage them. You have persons still being talked to very, very um, with disregard because they live with a disability or they have an invisible disability and you have to prove you really disabled. You don't look disabled. You look very good to be disabled. All of these things are built in to our society because we have not integrated our, our communications, um, what, what inclusion and access really speaks to. And so the challenges are vast, yet they are so doable in a bottom line way. You would have increased productivity. You would have increased profit margins. You would have increased reach in your market. Like the numbers are going to show you why it is so important to be inclusive. If I don't see persons like me, if I don't experience your brand through my eyes um, as a person, with a disability, as a person who wants to know how accessible it is, even if I'm a non-disabled person, because access speaks to the human right. It, it, it's not designated just to people with disabilities. It's designated to the human being in each of us. We need to know how accessible it is. We need to manage our risk. We need to ensure that the opportunities and the money that are being spent is spent in such a a way that I want to come back, that I, see, I I receive all of that back through the experience. So that's where we should be heading. What do you think that people with disabilities can teach the rural? How to embrace their differences. For many times, we have been bullied for our differences. We've been valued for it. We've been placed in boxes because of it. And we have viewed it through the lens that it is not something that you would want to be a different person. Yet, we all are different. And so living with a disability, showing up in your authentic self, showing up knowing that your value is not tied to your differences, but more your value is tied to what and who you are prepared to present, who you have worked on, invest in, who you have decided intentionally that this is the space that I'm going to impact. These are the goals that I'm going to work towards. These are the people I'm going to engage in. You do that now in a way that is uniquely to you. Showing up authentically should be the order of the day for all human beings. And knowing that when I do show up, I am received because I have access, full access. I've been included and that the opportunities are there for me being as different as I am because difference is the root of success. What can we as individuals do? Individuals who are still thinking about how can I, like, I, I get it, I get it, but what can I do? What, what can I engage? I would first say, one, evaluate your space. Evaluate what you've been doing. Unconscious biases has been one of the main things that we continue to perpetrate every day because we're doing it with, without any thought. Um, we were thinking about our lived experiences and why we like one thing and why we do one thing or why we don't. So I would say evaluate your unconscious biases at first and then also evaluate what accessible frameworks or processes do you currently engage or what can you now start who can you engage 
what persons around you can you speak to that you can empower, that you can amplify their voices in a space that um, currently you don't see them. There is no value of them. They're, 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 it lacks. It lacks in those spaces. Um, I encourage you to take those steps to find, because that's what disability allyship is. It's not an ABCD guideline. What it is, is it's powering you with the tools to make the changes within the spaces that you currently hold. So if you're in the space of media, education, community involvement, maybe development, whatever it is, you can find a way to develop, to expand, to increase, access and inclusion just by even asking a question of how accessible is it? Have we included? What are we doing for opportunities for persons to come and utilize this service or this product? Those are your first steps. Perfect, perfect. Now, how can we reach you? Yes, you can go to www.erinbrownconnects.com. And I'm also on all social media handles. So Facebook, Instagram, Aaron Brown Connects, you can find me. And even if you happen to forget, Aaron Bionic Brown is also my athletic name. You can find me through that. Or you can always just Google me, put Aaron Brown Bahamas. And I assure you, the email and the number that you get, which is Aaron Brown Connects with one N, C O N. ECTS at gmail.com comes directly to me. Wow, I'm inspired. I'm sure you are too. The spirit of the season is highlighted in Aaron's story. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye. Oh.